The housing market continues to be red hot in New Hampshire and realtors are not the only ones enjoying that heat. Today, we speak to the president of a closing and title company that is one of the fastest growing companies in the state and that also happens to be one of the best companies to work for in New Hampshire. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, so we've both been through a traumatic experience in the last year. No, I'm just kidding. It hasn't, I don't oh, no. think, I think been I too think, traumatic. I think that's an apt description. Well, we I mean, do you know, do you know, in one of okay, the worst good, good. markets to do so <laughs> ever. Oh my God. But we did okay, right? How, so what was what I'm was like the experience? I'm like 50 pounds heavier. Oh, but, you well, know, other you than and me that, both. You, you know, and me both. I ate my stress. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I know. And that's All saying right. something. <laughs> You're on fire today. I love I'm that about you. Firing in all cylinders. But yeah. yes, uh, we we bought a house, Ugh. and um, <laughs> you know, it, and that the searching for the done. house was the, was the huge nightmare. Yeah. I mean, because you know, you go look at a house, you might be interested. You then do unspeakable things like I'm going to bid twenty thousand dollars over and waive all inspections and lose my mind, and then you still don't get it. Right. And you're like, what does it take? What, yeah. You know, what do, do I have, I have to, do to sell now? my firstborn who is a teenager? So that don't think that didn't cross oh, my mind to well. offer. But and, and as far as I know, both children are still at home. They are. That's we good. did not go that in far. the new home. The so new that's home. good. So, but I will say, yes. Once we crossed that finish line, it was. The best experience, Uh right? Because usually you go in and you see that really big number that you don't look at at the end of the contract because otherwise you would never sign it. Uh But Uh the closing process, and I'm not even saying this because we're guests, the closing process was really great. It was Uh easy. Uh We had electronic forms, you know. Boop, boop, boop. You know, boop, saw boop, exactly boop. where you need to sign Is that it what the 50-year-olds do when that's, they talk about technology? They that's go, what boop, we boop, Gen boop. Xers do, youngin. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Oh, I'm sorry to that's okay. rain on you a little bit it's there. What but it was I, easy. It was a good process. It's the only thing I expect from a millennial. Okay. <laughs> Just I'm, I'm not really. I'm a fake one. You're a fake millennial? Yeah. Yeah. Are you in the cusp? You I'm a, I'm a Yeah, I'm a cusp. Oh. Yeah. Um, so how about you? What was that like? Well, so it was really non-traditional because we lived in the house we rented the house that we bought from the owner. Like we didn't have to look cause we nice. were there. He approached us, God bless him. And he's just like a, a model human being because he didn't, you know, he could have hosed us till the cows came home in terms of price and he did not. And so that's why we still live in that house because we were actually able to buy it. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, I think, think it was easy. I mean, we, we just, you know, we did all the stuff through the bank. And then I said at one point, I was like, oh, we should probably have a, like a, you know, a lawyer represent us at the table. And then all of a sudden, like all the closing paperwork was done and all this stuff. And we show up and we sign a bunch of stuff. And it is amazing. Yeah. The amount, I mean, I don't know how many trees died for our closing, oh my God. but I mean, and you're just signing until your hand actually starts cramping, but um, you know, it was very thorough and you yeah. think like someone had to go through and prepare I know. all of this. I know. And get it right. 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 Like it's not amazing. screw it up or, you know, realize they did and then have to fix it. But, um, well, I would say that, you know, just as we do here on BizCast, that was we another lovely. We should close lovely. this out and get to our close. Guests. We're going to close this out with our title guest. See what I did there? 
Oh my gosh. Kelly Rusa Cohen is president of Cohen Closing and Title. Before taking the leap to open her business in 2015, Kelly spent over a decade in the title industry and gained early valuable experience in real estate after graduating from Providence College. Over the past seven years, Kelly's company has been recognized by Business NH Magazine as one of the fastest growing women-led companies in the state, as a women-led business to watch, and 2021 best companies to work for. Kelly's active in her local community where she lives with her two sons and husband, John. She enjoys coaching her son's soccer team, skiing, yoga, running, and trying to improve her tennis game. All right. Still working on that game. That's okay. That's all right. It's a, always a work in progress, right? So it's cool to have you. It's really great to have you. We we um we had a little banter in the beginning with you, which I think is always great. We got to know your energy. So this is going to be a good one and a fun one for <laughs> sure. Um, but I think most people know, so in getting down to it, as it were, I think most people know what a closing is, you know, if you go through that uh, experience. Um, but can you sort of explain to us essentially why closing and title companies exist separately from, say, a bank or the job of a real estate attorney? Or why is this a specialized industry? Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. And Nathan and Matt, you do a lot with communications and education. And it's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for all you do for the state to have so many of us have a platform and a place to go to, whether it's magazines, online subscriptions, just to learn about what is happening in our state and our growth, and especially for small businesses to have that resource. It's huge. So thank cool. you, and thank, thank you, you for having me. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure, you. really. I'm all, and now I'm to get to <laughs> To get to the very exciting stuff, what is a title agent? You know, uh, yeah. I mean, everyone is wondering that, right? Well, I, of course. Even, having, having gone through the process of <laughs> buying a home and going through a closing, I'm still wondering what it's all about, really, and what happened because behind the scenes. Often the True. people buying don't end up meeting you, actually. Sometimes they don't, correct. Right. So uh, I guess I'll start with um, yeah. different states operate very differently, okay. right? So sometimes you'll have states that are heavily um, associated um, attorney states. Those are uh, bar associations that are very strong, and it is um, state law to have an attorney facilitate that closing, mm. right? So in New Hampshire, we are considered a title company state, an escrow officer state, or a settlement officer state, all mm -hmm. interchangeable, mm -hmm. in that we can conduct a closing and facilitate a closing while we're issuing a title insurance policy on the property. So we're really a title agent acting on behalf in a fiduciary capacity mm -hmm. uh, for our title insurance underwriters. So the title insurance policy that we're placing on that property is oftentimes twofold. One is an owner's policy that is optional but highly recommended for an owner to purchase. Mm. And then the second policy is a lender's policy that is required to be purchased by the borrower, mm -hmm. but it benefits the lender. Okay, if that makes sense. It so does. there's always yeah. two policies. One is the optional owners and two would be the lender. So our role at the closing mm. is to ensure that the property is free and clear of any title defects or what we call clouds on the title mm. in our t title industry so you terminology. <laughs> so prior to closing, you're doing research on that property. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And then once we do the research, right, we examine the research we've done and we figure out what needs to happen in order for that title uh, to be clear, what we call marketable, insurable 
title. And then we are able to fix what we need to, do what we need to, or if it's all set, we can move forward with producing that title insurance policy on that property. So our role is similar in the sense of we share the concerns of a buyer or seller wanting to make sure that they're transferring title on a property with a clear uh, marketable insurable title. And Mm -hmm. a buyer certainly wants that. A lender absolutely wants that. And then our role is second fold in that we are conducting the closing. We are acting as a facilitator of the uh, documents. If there's a lender involved in the transaction, we're going over all those documents you spoke of, of the big stack and that big number at the end. And we're making sure that the consumer understands all of the financials, right? Interest rate, payment information. Does this change interest rate? Is it a variable? What are the, the documents and the terms? And making sure that we are explaining that so that we have consumers that are informed, educated, empowered, and excited about the closing process that they're undertaking. Cool. Very cool. So uh, let's explore the path to entrepreneurship, which is a lot of what we do on the show. <laughs> yes, and, and, please. You know, so let's rewind to young teenage Kelly, who at that time is not going... I don't going, think we should. Okay, well, I mean, we'll do a limited rewind. But, uh, yeah, careful, Matt. We'll do the PG version. Okay. And, but I, my, my point being, you know, it's not like, you know, back then you're going, one day I shall own my own no, closing no. and title company. So no, no. what was your path to this? What, <laughs> what did you start off doing? Seems How did like you a get blur. into this? Um, no. So I grew up in a family where real estate was always part of our home. My mom has sold real estate as a real estate agent. And then she ah. currently owns a real estate school where she teaches folks to get their license and then renew their license. Oh, cool. So we grew up in that, in that home. My, my mom is a huge um, support of me and I'm, I also, she's a wonderful mentor and I very much admire her. She started her school with um, three students in our kitchen. We had a little island with bar stools and I'll never forget one of the stools was not quite right and, and she wasn't able to sort of tighten it and make it as safe as she wanted it. So she pulled that stool out and said, you know what, instead of four students, we'll do three. And that's like my mom in a nutshell, right? <laughs> so we're like, get that's the four awesome. student in there. We want to go to Disney. No. So... <laughs> We, my brother and sister and I watched her grow this company to three students at the stool at the kitchen table to, I'll never forget when she moved to the dining room, right? Oh. She was in six chairs and we were like, okay, we have to be quiet in the sun porch. She's in the dining room teaching. <laughs> and then she moved to a real estate office and now she um, conducts many of her recertification classes in Southern New Hampshire with hundreds of students, wow. right? So watching her, I won't, I wouldn't say at a young age, I was like, oh, this looks amazing. I can't wait to be an entrepreneur. No, 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 yeah. no, no. That's, that definitely was not my path. I was like, wow, that looks really hard. And she's trying to balance a lot going on. And wow, I don't want anything to do with that, right? <laughs> but, but looking back, seeing those experiences and watching that work ethic and watching that drive and watching her growth very much um, attributed to, to myself. So what did you end up doing initially? What, what, what kind of jobs did you get and what led you into this industry? So I always say that I didn't have um, like random jobs leading up to this. I had careers. Like I had careers where I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. We'll start <laughs> with, um, w- worked in an insurance company, actually a wonderful insurance company out of Nashville, New Hampshire, um, Eaton and Barabee, fantastic insurance company. Yes. They've had amazing growth. I was a file clerk there and I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing at 15. 
I love it. And then from there, I was like, oh, maybe maybe there's more. Maybe I'm going to go to college and see what else is out there. I worked for the limited brands um, and did work for um, the pink stores and Victoria's Secret and um, Express um, uh, fashion um, brands. And cool. I worked there um, all through high school and all through college, right? Um, and then transferred down to Louisiana with a friend of mine that I graduated with at Providence and um, worked for the limited brands down in Louisiana and thought this was this retail will be my life. Mm-hmm. This is going to be my career. My goal was to be a district manager. And then after consecutive 80 degree work weeks, I'm like, oh, this might not be a career for me. <laughs> um, I always say too, <laughs> folks that are in the retail industry and the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, multitasking, you know, any day those folks in those two industries can just crush life. Right. right. So after many years of the retail industry, I thought, you know what, I, I think I have a love of education and I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher and I'm down in Louisiana and it, there's wonderful opportunity here. So I became a high school Spanish teacher. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Wish, wow. wish, wish you could see I'm their watching, faces right now. Watching yep. the route go, oh, yep. this is a circuitous yep. one. But this You're like, is yeah, nice. I thought this would be an easy question, Cal. No. We come, <laughs> is this the whole podcast? <laughs> wow. So, so yep, became a high school Spanish teacher mm-hmm. in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Wow. And um, was there for, for a little bit, about about a year, and then realized that um, actually 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. right? And I realized that Louisiana to New Hampshire never seemed so far, mm-hmm. right? So um, my mom, um, amazing woman that she is, packed me in the middle of the night, got me from Louisiana back up to uh, New Hampshire, and then I worked at Revere College, and I was going to be oh. an admi- admissions counselor because that looked awesome. You get to go to fairs and you're traveling around and you're meeting people and I'm loving that, right? Simultaneously, I decided to get my real estate license. My mom was teaching the classes. I jumped in, got my real estate license um, and met uh, John, my husband, went to high school together, junior high together, different crowds. Let's be really clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> Very different you guys crowds. Must be a hoot. Okay. Oh, wow. um, so we reconnected back at it really was a bar in Nashua, the garden, which oh, is my so much fun. However, yeah. my mom is very conservative and we were not allowed to go to the garden. So I always say we met at Gold's Gym. Yep. Gold's just gym. connected back Gold's at Gold's Gym. gym. Yep. But if you're the, listening, Ma, it's my, Gold's Gym. Mom, right? the truth is out now. It's okay. I think <laughs> we're okay. Gym. Two kids later, ten and twelve, we're all right. It's okay. okay. So right. The right. garden is okay. Okay. okay it's okay yeah. to go there. Um, so <laughs> reconnect there. Um, uh, we date, we get engaged. His company, he works for Sintas Corporation. They mm-hmm. transferred him to Connecticut. So I uh, transferred there and started my real estate um, career. I was um, a real estate agent for the Beasley Company, which got sold then to Prudential uh, Connecticut. And it was in 2001 which was a really hot market, similar to the market we're in now. Right. It was a strong seller's market, but not as drastic as the seller's market we're, we're in right now or mm. sort of have seen for the past two years. So, But it was a strong seller's market, which means there was a lot of walk-ins. There was a lot of phone calls. I was newly licensed in Connecticut where I knew nobody, mm. and I was crushing it. I, I thought I was, I was rookie of the year. I'm like, I'm so good at this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing a pattern yeah. going on. Right? Another career for me. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Watch the decline. Here we go. Oh, so no, the decline. We, we are in Connecticut. John's company transfers him back to the Boston location. So we moved back home. Where I'm super excited. Friends and family. It's now 2005. And the market starts to shift quite a bit, right? 2005, mm-hmm. 2006, 2007. So now I'm back in my home state where I know a lot of people, right? Friends, <laughs> family. My mom teaches real estate and I can't close 
a transaction, oh, no. right? Oh, so wow. not that good. Wow. Not that good, wow. Cal. From a very high to a very low, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I think I had maybe one or two closings, right? And as I'm sitting there in, in the real estate agent position, I'm watching sort of the closing agent. I'm seeing the process. And um, my brain, my skill set is very black and white, sometimes to a fault, oftentimes to a fault. I see things as, as, as a loan is clear, a loan is not clear, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You are married, you are not married. You can't mm-hmm. be like almost unmarried. That means you're still married, right? right. So it's like, I tend to be <laughs> very unmarried. black and white and the real estate business and the brokerage part of that and the mm. negotiation is oftentimes very gray. So as I sat watching the closing agent, I thought, oh my gosh, this looks like something I would love, right? This could actually be my next career. And it turns out it really was. <laughs> it was the hit. It was the hit. Um, so I worked for a local uh, title agency, a wonderful company, a smaller company that was affiliated with a large real estate company, mm. which was fantastic for me because I got to wear all kinds of different hats, nice. right? Nice. I got to see the abstract work, which is the beginning of the file, then the processing part of it, um, payoffs, title, sewer, water, all the things that come into play when you're processing file, and then got to experience that closing part of that file and be part of people's biggest investment of their lives, right? Um, so did that for 10 years. And um, then what yeah. clicked that you mm. went, because a lot of people can love their careers, sure, but don't take that next step mm-hmm. of going, mm-hmm. you know what? I think I can do this. I'm yeah. going to open up a business. Yeah, yeah. the tipping and, point, is, right? Mm-hmm. Big, scary next step. What was that tipping point for you? So I think for me, I, as I mentioned before, that I had careers, right? Mm-hmm. I always jump in. which sometimes is not necessarily a good thing, right? But (laughs) so I'm always giving everything. And I think for me, I realized while this is a wonderful company, I think that there's more of an opportunity for me, right? And I had heard from a lot of real estate agents and loan officers that I do do a lot of business with that said, wow, you know, you should go out on your own. You you do great on your own. You should go out on your own. And for years, years, I was like, oh, what? Like, (laughs) What am I going to have business cards? Am I going to get headshots? And like, okay, right? Like my husband travels for work. I've got two small kids. I'm trying to get it to the treadmill. Like you got to be out of your mind, right? (laughs) And then I think I started to listen a little bit and say, wait a second, let me, let me give this a little bit of like, what, what if, right? What if I did do this? Right. And our boys were three and five and I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way. But then I thought, wait a second, what if I do show them that you have a desire, you have a, 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 a want, you feel like you might be able to do something more, right? You have more to offer, you know, you maybe have um, more to give and, and more that's out there. And why wouldn't I give it a shot, right? Yeah. So um, 2015, I went out on my own and opened up Cohen Closing. And I'll never forget our first location. I think there was four cubicles. So I was just standing there, right? I, send, <laughs> I think I joined Facebook that morning, yeah. right? Because apparently you got to have a personal pay- Facebook page, you have a business page. Yeah, I'm like, oh my yeah. God, do I have to do social media? Nobody told me that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm standing there and, and, and John's kind of like clapping me along. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm like, okay, I need a bucket. I'm dry heaving. And I look at the cubes and I think... <laughs> Is anybody going to work here? Like, I've got to fill these, right? Right. Are we going to have people? (laughs) Is there going to be any humans here? Or is it just going to be me? (laughs) (laughs) And indeed... We found humans. Yeah, right. All these humans. And they want to hang out with you every day. Yes, it's unbelievable. 
we have filled cubes. Um, since that space, we moved to a little bit of a bigger space, um, maybe 25% more with a few more cubes. And then um, we um, bought our building in Bedford and moved our operations there. So mm. we have a lot of cubes there and a lot of humans. Yes. Um, so and how many locations do you have now? So we have five locations. Yep. So we have Throughout the Bedford the office. Then we have the Guilford office for the Lakes region. We have Hampton for the seacoast. We have uh, Lincoln for the Lakes and Mountains. Good. And then we have Wells, Maine. So we operate in both New Hampshire and in uh, Southern Maine. And how many employees do you have now? So we're just shy of 40. Yeah. So from nice. just you, yes. am I going to be able to find yeah. three right? other people right. to join me? To right? four empty to cubicles. 40. And to I'm, 40. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sensing kind of a, a similar pathway that you told us that your mom was on. Sure. And, and, and did you ever talk to her during this journey? Oh, about- yeah. She was fantastic. Mm. Always supportive. Always, you know, saying, you know, just trust the process. Trust the process. And we've always sort of had the same mentality just in our family in that, if you wake up in the morning and you do the right things and you treat people well, right, and you take care of people in the way you would want to be taken care of, whatever that looks like, right, mm. it's an answer to a question. It's picking up the phone and being there for somebody. If, if you go through life, um, you know, with that mindset that you're, that you're going to answer the right way and you're going to handle the transactions in the way you want to and you're going to, you know, give advice or talk to a friend – when you do all of the right things, everything else works itself out, whatever it's supposed to be, whatever that journey is supposed to be. So I've always stuck to that. And my mom's a firm believer in that. She's very spiritual. And she helps me through that process. Even days where I'm like, this is the process. This is the journey. You You're killing be me. kidding me. What? What book says this is okay? I love it. I love it. So, I mean, in seven years, you've gone from yourself in a small office mm-hmm. to five or six locations now, 40 employees. That's a lot of growth. And I mean, 2015 was a healthy year, but sure. I, I mean, not, did you even expect going into this <laughs> pandemic that your industry was going to be the one Boom. Right. that not only survived, but I mean, w- entered one of the craziest periods that we've it had did. in real estate. It did. And, so, and I would say even New Hampshire alone, um, one of the largest states that received so much of the real estate activity mm-hmm. because of folks being able to work remotely and New yeah. Hampshire having so many opportunities yeah. here, right? So we had so much growth from buyers that weren't necessarily from in-state, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of surrounding mm-hmm. states that were coming to New Hampshire. So it was almost like a twofold, like New Hampshire's crushing it on people coming here and the real estate market's insane because the rates are unbelievable. Yeah. Everybody wants to refi and buy in New Hampshire. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> and by the way, we're in a global pandemic. Yes, this is amazing. What chapter in the book, Mom, was Uh. written on that one, right? (laughs) So can you talk about what the growth was like in the first five Uh. years versus this last two? And Mm. I mean, Mm -hmm. growth is great and it's a a trajectory we want to be on, but it comes with, uh, when you grow that quickly. Sure. In that short amount of time, that comes with a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the good and the bad and the ugly of starting a business and watching it take off like that. Well, I think too that there's growth and there's smart growth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So all of the offices that I have have been grown with a smart growth mentality. And what I mean by that is I don't just put up flags in the state and and have offices there and then say, oh my goodness, 
this? Who wants to work with me? Let's do closings. <laughs> right. It, I, I, that to me, first of all, I think a dry heave and puke handling it like that. Right. <laughs> I, my growth is let me have, you know, somebody who maybe works out of my Bedford office and who has some relationships up in like, let's say the Seacoast area. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe I have relationships up in the Seacoast mm-hmm. area. So now I'm going up there and I'm teaching some of my CEU classes. I'm speaking at sales meetings. I'm helping brokers and agents answer questions on the purchase and sale, fiduciary agency, any topics that are ones that I can help benefit from title questions, concerns. And then from there, we're organically growing to the sense of now they're asking us to do closings. They're asking us to mm-hmm. do business up here. Oh my God, you should have an office up here. You should do business here. Things. And then we find that we have that business and now it's time to permanently plant a flag, right? The permanently planting of a flag is also very strategic. And a lot of times I'll go to some shared space, right? Whether it's an office, like an Ohio building or mm-hmm. some type of a shared space where yeah. there's a shared conference room and um, it's a small suite and financially it's very doable for me, right? And, and it's a couple of closings and everything sort of makes sense, right? And then from there, we see what that growth actually looks like and what what does that mean for the market share and what, what are our percentages look like and what are the opportunities? And then maybe we put more of a permanent flag, uh, a bigger office, right? Um, that's that's what I mean by smart growth, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I just started planting offices and then being like, "Come on, bring yeah. me," like that would that would really that 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 doesn't align with um, the way I can process this, right? Mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and and be able to know that this growth makes sense, right? Right. right. And you're, I would say, you're sort of. Um, I was going to say risk averse, maybe. Well, how do you consider yes. yourself risk averse in that way? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I sell title insurance. So it's all about risk. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> my life is about risk. Right? So anything you do to minimize my yeah. risk, right. that's happening. Right. right? Yeah. Sunscreen right. in the winter. Why wouldn't we? You right. Know? I mean, oh, <laughs> that's a good point. Right? Minimize oh, risk. You never I know like the risk. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in the seven years and how'd you overcome them? We're going to do that all in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> he asks all the good questions. Um, okay, so maybe I could break that down personally and professionally mm. because okay, I sure. think that uh, yeah. is be great. very separate. And I think especially for other business owners, entrepreneurs, sometimes nice. you're wearing two different hats, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the biggest um, obstacles, I think, as, a, as an entrepreneur is, is the pressure, right? So um, when you have people that, are counting on you, right? And it's not just my family, but it's the people that work for me and it's their families, right? So while we're growing or while we're taking on more and seeing what the market and the industry brings, I go to bed every night with the pressure of, I better make the right decisions for the people that work for me, the people that are counting on me to sort of steer the ship in a way that successfully puts co closing and in, in gaining as much market share as possible so that I can create more job opportunities, career opportunities, growth for my, for my team, right? So sometimes that pressure is a lot and you have to find ways to release that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and be able to, um, you know, not go to bed every night with that and wake up every morning with that pressure. It's a way to make sure that you're balancing that, right? Um, and I think that the other piece of that is also balancing yourself as a human and how you want that to be, as well as yourself as a business owner, 
uh, professionalism um, in that state and what that looks like, right? Because as much as you want to wear two different hats, you're the same human, right? So you have to make sure that you're giving to yourself what yourself needs, right? So I think that for me, throughout the seven years of, of, of Cohen closing and even going, going further down into the future, I will always ensure that I take care of myself first. That's first and foremost, because if I don't take care of me, I'm not going to be able to be, in my personal world, a good wife and a good mother and daughter and friend. And in my professional world, I'm not going to be able to be a good business leader mm -hmm. and an owner and make the right decisions and have that clear vision of, of what is next. Um, so, we call that the oxygen mask effect. Yeah. You know, it is. It you got to put the oxygen mask on it yourself is. first before you help others, essentially. And oftentimes you have to figure out what that oxygen mask is. Right. What are those outlets, right? right? That's taken me some time to figure out. You know, I'd say early on, I thought it was like hitting the Peloton and now it's too <laughs> So I'm just wrong, right? I'm like, okay, I'm ready to kill it. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready to kill it. I need a nap. I need a f nap. You know, so, so now it's more like maybe it is yoga. Maybe it is just sitting on the floor of my closet and just closing my eyes and mm -hmm. just meditating for a minute, right? Like what are those oxygen masks activities that you do to sort of refuel you, right? Mm. Like I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, um, I made a lot of mistakes in the sense that I always have this like, I got this, I got this, I'm good, everything's good, I got this, I don't need help, I'm awesome, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And sometimes you live in that persona layer a little bit, mm. right? And I did that too long for too many times where I wasn't really being honest with either myself or my family. And I always wanted my kids to see the good in all this, right? Mm. Like it's so mm -hmm. great to own a company and it's so great to be an entrepreneur and you're yeah. going to love this. And, you know, so, so uh, here I would like, you know, get home and be like, oh, okay, everything's good. Everything's good. And meanwhile, it's like <laughs> punching myself in the face over and over that things aren't good and I'm just faking uh -huh. it. And then I lose it. Right. So, yeah. and yeah. so, so, you have to be real, right? Yep. That took me some time. Mm. That took me some time to say, no, you know what? Today was not a good day, right? Mom's going to sit in her car. Mom's driving around the cul-de-sac real quick. <laughs> so you're going to wait in the garage a little bit, right? <laughs> right? Maybe you shower yourself tonight. I know you're three. It's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. You can do it. You yeah. can do it. Mom you know, needs some time. But you become a little bit more real. And, if, and I've seen that actually my connections with both my husband and my children have just grown so much from that realness mm. of saying this isn't easy, right? right? This isn't easy. And there are some times that I'm at the soccer, you know, field and I'm coaching, but I got to take a second. I got to get a call. I got to do a text. Like that's, that's yeah. life, right? That's yeah. the balance. But I don't even remember the original question, Matt, but I'm no, going to, I don't either. I, Jesus. I, you the host. you so answered it perfectly. The challenges that we face and you know, there's, yeah. you know, I think that you hit on it, that there's a lot of times that if you're the head, you're the, mm -hmm. the, the, the leader, th there's this pressure to have all the answers. Yes. Right. And if you don't, yes. it's, there's that imposter syndrome. Like what if they find out I don't. Right. And then right. as you like, said, I don't know what's happening. Neural rates. I don't know. <laughs> what? But then do I, I think know? you realize like, Oh, I hired people good people yes. around me for a reason yeah. because yes. I won't have all the answers that's and right. that's okay. And that's okay. That right? is okay. hundred percent. And so, it, you know, as you're growing in, on this fast path and you're trying and you're figuring out, you know, you've got this crew to, to, to lean on both at home and at work. Sure. Um, you know, you obviously started thinking about, well, 
not only how are we succeeding as a business, but mm-hmm. how am I doing as an employer in that you landed on the best companies to work for list last right. year, your debut Very on exciting. it. Yes. And, um, you know, can you talk about what, why it was important to you sure. to think that about the, how you were as an employer as right. well as how you were doing as a business leader Sure. and how that feeds into one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that for me, whether it's the title industry or any other industry, when you are working for a company, it's that culture you're working for that is 100% what you're looking for, right? And so that was also one of the reasons why I wanted to do this because I did have confidence that I can create a culture that is a really great place to work, mm-hmm. right? And by finding other humans that feel that way and want that environment, we can continue to do this together, right? And, you know, I think we've all probably had jobs and I've had actually multiple careers, right? Where I've driven up and maybe had that pit in my stomach, like, ah, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to walk in there. I don't want this. And I think a lot of people can relate to having that feeling somewhere mm-hmm. in some job that they worked at, right? Or maybe career or something. So I've always said to myself, I never want anybody that works for me to have that feeling. And if they Mm -hmm. do have that feeling, right, because sometimes that happens, those days happen, I want it to be such an open door policy that we figure out how do we make those changes that we need to so that that pit in your stomach does not stay there, right? That we make changes or we figure out, you know, what, what are you looking to do? And we, I think we've created such an amazing culture with the leadership team and with the employees where it's one team, one culture, one organization with one goal, right? And it's about creating, you know, really great experiences, obviously for our consumers, the buyers and sellers that are trusting us in this process, but Mm -hmm. then also the real estate agents and the loan officers that are counting on us to handle these transactions, right? And, you know, I always say like, you can't, you can't coach care. You can't coach people to give a you know what, right? Yeah. So they either have that or they don't, right? So we have an organization of people that care so much, right? It's not fake. It is real. They have this level of care that they want to do everything they can to ensure that these closing processes are as smooth and successful as they can be. And they care about their teammates and the people that they're doing this with, that we're spending so much time together, you know, day in and week after week that we need to enjoy what we're doing and and create a process that makes sense, right? We have a really great culture committee at Cohen um, that, that do a lot of amazing um, opportunities for the team to engage, right? Um, we have uh, remote folks that can still be part of that engagement process. That's really important to me. Cool. We have um, uh, give backs and charities that we're a part of. And um, we have a spotlight charity that occurs every 60 days. We have a different charity that is typically a charity that a teammate of Cohen would like us to uh, embrace and, nice. and provide awareness for. And then we offer VTO time for people to be able to get back into the community. It's really important to me That's to step out. time off. It's correct. Yep. So you, you have to sometimes step outside of your own um, lens, right? Your own perspective to sort of give back and be part of, of, of that experience in order to better sort of understand your own. And then I think grow from there, right? So there's a lot of, of outreach that we do and community involvement that I'm very proud of my team um, because they have taken a, a thought or concept to whole new levels as it, as it relates to community outreach in both New Hampshire and Maine. That's amazing. You, I don't know if it's your mom or your professors or what, but whoever instilled the, the values that you have and, and, and this, um, your, 
the way you operate as an entrepreneur is just like we need to shake their hands and hug them <laughs> because you're amazing and and I love I could just listen to you talk about it because yeah. this is all it all makes sense and it's so real um and it's and that's really awesome and and thank god you're here in New Hampshire and, and doing <laughs> what you're doing so um culture as you've been talking about you you created this thing called a culture book at the company um is that like an employee handbook what is that well so it's different than the handbook right okay. because so all right. also a little bit about me I've ne- with the exception of the limited brands I haven't really had a lot of corporate America mm-hmm. um interaction, mm-hmm. right? Which means I probably am not the most HR. Um, you know, I'll be the first one to have an interview and someone be like, oh my God, do you have kids? Where, where do they go to school? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, no. You Kelly. can't ask that. No. <laughs> so, um, but again, so, it's because you care because it's real, real because it's coming right. from a place that is real. That's, so and that's awesome. So we have a handbook go. that's like a real yeah. HR handbook. <laughs> like you from have the to read state. before every interview. Yeah. And I obviously <laughs> didn't write it, right? Yeah. But I reference it quite a bit. Good, good, um, good. good. But then we have the culture book. So yeah. the culture book is cool. written by the employees. It's It's been nice. of interviews that we've done to see what folks are looking for in an organization, how they would describe their experience here at Cohen. We also have an internship process where we have um, uh, folks that take um, do internships at Cohen, and then we take a lot from them in terms of what did they learn from this experience mm-hmm. when they're now going into college or um, you know uh, w- what would they look for in an employer that they either found here or things that we can um, instill in into the organization, wow. right? So it's all about, you know, what can you expect if you're reading it, somebody mm-hmm. who would potentially want to join the company and and what, not only like what can you expect from the organization, but what are you also going to be held accountable for, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's not an, it's not a culture for everybody. I'm very well aware of that, right? Like it's a culture we walk in. Everybody wants to find out how your weekend was, <laughs> right? And if you don't want to share yeah. how your weekend was, like this may yeah. not, right? Like it's, yeah. it's a very like, and of course there's boundaries and of course there's, hey, it's time to work, but it is a, a, a culture and a company that thrives on caring about each other and mm. being invested in each other's lives and wanting to see everybody be the best version of themselves. Nice. I feel like we've gotten to know you so much during this short amount of time, which has been great. Yeah. But, you know, what would folks be surprised to know about you? What don't mm. we know? So I think you'd be surprised to know that I'm very social, right? I'm very much... Shocking. I, oh, my God. <laughs> really? I know, I know, I know. Everyone, right? <laughs> Drop the mic on that one. Wow. But the way uh-huh. I recharge mm-hmm. and the way I fuel myself is much more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Right? I was going to say, the I, being married to an introvert, I understand that. And right? I'm the total opposite, so... Yeah. It's it, my husband and I always always talk we talk cuz he sometimes travels like a Monday through Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. And then so he's sort of been away and coming back and and he's kind of like, "Hey, let's go out to dinner. Let's do something." And I'm like, "I am right. off. I want right. to be off. I'm in the closet. <laughs> Leave me alone. Clo- I'm sitting in the closet." <laughs> right? And that's my phrase to the family is I do say it's like, I, "This weekend I want to be off." Or this this afternoon I just want to be off. Like mm-hmm. so as much as I, and I love the connection with humans and I love the, the, the conversations and, and, and meeting people and teaching the classes and, and being with my organization, like all of that is fuel for me, but the way I recharge and the way I need to know when I've, I, I need to step back a minute is to, to be by myself or mm-hmm. to have activities where I'm just sort of like there in the closet, mm-hmm. sitting down, breathing. And that's okay. Cool. And that's okay. Cool. As a fellow introvert, I so respect that. 
I love it. And I think, Matt, you, you nailed it that we, we learned certainly a lot about uh, a lot about Kelly Rusa Cohen, but um, and a fair amount about the you know title and closing industry process, all of that, which um, is actually a little bit more exciting than maybe I thought it was. Um, but what's really exciting is is your success, your focus, all of the careers you've had and how you're um, you're taking th- you're doing things in a very real way, in a caring way. And obviously uh, it's it's paying off and showing off. So good for you. And thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's an honor to thank have you. you. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. And now the buzz. So Nathan came across a really interesting survey or a report that came out recently uh, from Robert Half about productivity. Oh, boy. So this is the third summer since the pandemic Mm. forced a wider adoption and reexamination of remote work and its effects on how productive we are. That's a big worry that everyone had. You know, if people are working from home, will we be... doing enough. (laughs) And so um, it's really interesting some of their findings. So one of the first ones is that, uh, I don't know if it's that really surprising in that our productivity uh, in general peaks early in the week that uh, this 2,400 US workers that they surveyed, right. They're saying, you know, we're the most productive, whether we're at the office at home on Monday and Tuesday. Of course. And I can tell you like, but I set it up. So my Fridays are fairly easy if I can, because it's a slow, it's that slow crawl to the end of the week. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I mean, and then on Monday, you're like, either either you're like, all right, I'm ready, I'm going for it, or you're like, oh, I got so much to catch up right. on from last week that I'm just going to put my head down, and I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah, so you you have to be productive one way or the other, either because you want to be or you're forced to be based on your habits later in the week. So good for, you know, businesses to know. Yeah. That's when your your workers are going to get the most done. So yeah. maybe get out of their way those days. Yeah, I, so I like the one, uh, the, the piece where they're talking about the, the professionals have defined power out. Hours. Yeah, um, I love the power hour from the sales world. Like we're gonna have power hour. Everybody's <laughs> gonna be on the phones for an hour. We're gonna make a ton of money and make you know a bunch of calls and all that. Um, nine to noon, one to four. I think this study is like I didn't t- I didn't participate in this study, but that's like totally me. If I can do if I can do nine to noon, yeah, that's good. Um, the one to four, it's a little bit iffy, but like um, otherwise, that's you know. Right. And I think that was what people thought was going to change radically with remote work that right. this report is saying, no, right. you know, well, I'm going to be productive be, all day long. Right. Or, you know, you I, know, I'll be going in and out. But the fact is, most people are still sticking to very much whether the remote or in the office to a traditional mm. work day with mm-hmm. some variations. But they're not being the most productive at lunchtime. They're not doing as much after hours. It's not to say they aren't, but the bulk of their work is still taking place yeah. during the work day. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm stealing this one from from your little list here, but the that meetings get in the way. <laughs> well, you don't what? say. I oh, Did we really need a Robert Half study to say that? We have way too many meetings. Well, and I think it's easy, right? Like, and, and you and I do this. We're planning the podcast and that sort of thing where we're like, oh, let's just hop on a Zoom. Right. Or, well, why can't we? Well, like, why do we have to do that? Could like, this be an email? Yeah. Could this be an email? Right. Or could we just like work collaboratively outside of something and then like you know check in for five minutes on the phone instead of like scheduling a one hour you know meeting? I think for some <laughs> companies there was that that over correction like we're remote now so yeah. we're going to 
but we have Zoom, so we're just going to Zoom more often. So, you know, so I, as your boss, am, am sure that we're, we're getting things done. Meanwhile, you're chewing up a clock and wasting time mm-hmm. and getting away of mm-hmm. people's productivity. So also, good note. So if you are going to plan a meeting, not a Monday or Tuesday. Yep. Get out of my way. I'm and being productive. If it can be an email, make an email because your your employees are sick of the meetings. Um, and then uh, they, they also found that... Um, we're not surprisingly, some of us are really enjoying the remote work. One oh. in five mm. professionals, 21%, say they're equally productive whether they're at work or home. And 35% actually say they're getting done more done at home. So, you know, that's a, a, a really interesting thing. But even though the ones that are in the office, the mm-hmm. report found that they, uh, th- those commuting to the office perform best in a private office space. 43% said that as opposed to the 16% in a collaborative space. Oh, I, uh, no doubt. I Again, think, you know, I think this is me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just you like, know. oh my God, why would I, you know, a collaborative space is great if you're being, if you're in a collaborative, like if you're being creative and you right. need a team of people to collaborate with, but otherwise it's like, no, leave me alone. I want to get some work done. Exactly. I think that's <laughs> where you have to be selective on your meetings. Make sure it's pr- being productive and getting that collaboration that's needed. Yeah. But we got used to being on our own and being able to have our own space. And I, I, know, I think that's important. I know it. I know it. Um, so, hey, for more uh, information here. Um, you can visit the Cardinal blog. We'll post a link to the entire study. Um, but otherwise, hey, that's what we're buzzing about this week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. Check out the Cardinal blog and learn about our services at cardinalconsultingnh.com. We're on social at Cardinal Consulting NH. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business New Hampshire Magazine and Cardinal Consulting.